Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back. I'm Kyle Mack and this is Combat Chronicles. If you're wondering where the podcast has been on this main feed for the past couple of weeks, it's been over at the Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Combat Chronicles. been some, well, if I do say so myself, some pretty nifty uh, material over there, such as last week did a look back at one of boxing's all-time great super fights between Pancho Villa and Jimmy Wilde, which celebrated its 100-year anniversary last week. So if you want to check out that sort of stuff, check out the Patreon. Uh, and I did look at the last uh, weeks of MMA over there as well. So it's not just you know the odd uh, documentary or in-depth boxing or MMA history piece. Looking at the week-to-week fights over there as well. So if you want to get my takes on those fights, please head on over to Patreon. But for this episode, we've got some takes on some fights from this past weekend. Because, holy shit, it was all over the fucking shop. Ooh. And keeper's got to be fired. Or... You would think that the triumphant return of one of kickboxing's premier pound-for-pound stars would be the main talking point as Takaru returned to the ring after his devastating loss to Tenshin Nasukawa at the match 2022 to put a horrendous beat down on very tough Brit Bailey Sugden. And Sugden gave it a go. He gave it a go early. Desperately tried to survive in the pocket, but uh, Takaru back to his best form, walking him down hitting him with shots. He's so great at mixing it head and body. We know how great Takaru is. So great uh, walking you down, running you into punches, in-step knee, and in this fight we saw mixing that up, changing levels, and eventually punctuating it all with a brutal head kick for a just savage knockout. So Takaru's back, basically. And what's great to see, Takaru fighting over five rounds. That's what we want to see. K1 don't do it. We wanted to see attention versus Takaru over five rounds. And now it will kind of remain the great what-if of kickboxing because although I give attention full credit for the win and it was incredible in the fight, he fought to the rule set of the fight. Takaru was strong in the third round. And we just, we're not being robbed of Takaru beating tension. You know, let's keep running it until our man wins. But we're robbed of seeing what would have been um, some really engaging exchanges, I'm sure, and, and the ebb and flow changing further from what we saw. So, you know, with tension starting strong early and, and Takaru finishing uh, strong late. So that's a shame, but Takaru's back. It's his first win since his uh, uh, fight of the Combat Chronicles fight of the year for 2021 against Leona Pettis. That's how long it's been since Takaru has won a fight, and he looked very much himself. So, not too much to report from the fight. Check it out when you can find it online. Unfortunately, the main narrative coming out of the fight and the event was just how badly organised it was. Muay Thai GP, a uh, 
French promotion. Had some mates there on site prior to the fight and on the night. Had a contributors, uh, Luca Bordon and, and, and Baba, who have both been on this podcast before. Uh, they were there for the pre-fight, uh, covering it for their podcast, Aboard the Ring, uh, which is fantastic if you speak French. Not so great for non-native speakers such as myself, but I, I know it's great because uh, I speak to those boys all the time. And, and, and they covered the event and they were there as well. And uh, had a long-time listener of the podcast there as well. I remain nameless because I've not received, as realised, I've not actually received any permission to use any information that he, uh, that he told me. But the event itself was a complete shit show. And Beyond Kickboxing were reporting on it in in real time and it looked like um, fights were running well over there a lot of time by minutes um, which would have prevented it seemed the, the knockout that Takaru dealt Bailey sucked him it had already taken an absolute immense beat and it should have been stopped prior to that um, too tough for his own good really but it turns out it wasn't as long because the uh, on screen graphics weren't stopping when the referee was uh, stopping the fight um, and you know stopping the round but it was Takaru Tiger and uh, Taiju went over there. Taiju got absolutely fucking battered by a young lad. And that did actually overrun. That actually did overrun. Not by as much as it seemed, which was a couple of minutes. Um, but also, the actual event itself was a complete fucking nightmare. I don't usually talk about business too much on this podcast, but it's interesting in this sense because, you know, the will he, won't he of Takaru signing for a new promotion is, is important because he's one of kickboxing's biggest stars. And as I've said before on this show, this deal uh, is not so much with one or with Muay Thai GP. It's between Takaru and Abima, who are a huge uh, Japan-based streaming service. And it's a service I've used before and it works well when you can get it to. You've got, you know, go through hoops of VPNs and... Google Translate to figure out what's going on and just fucking open praise it works on the day, but it always does for me. It worked perfectly for the match and it's worked uh, perfectly for Rising events and, you know, uh, Rise and K1 as well, been absolutely fine. Um, some need a VPN, some don't. That's the lottery. Sometimes it seems geo-blocked even with a VPN. That's the, uh, the lottery of it all, but it seems to be absolutely fine for me. Other people's experiences may vary, but, you know, they've very much got their foot in the door of uh, combat sports streaming with Rise NK1 and that show won championship on there as well, which is obviously why Takaru's over there because the deals with Takaru, you know, they're paying him X amount of money, a uh, large sum for these fights. They're paying for the rights to the fights and they showed this, this card yesterday. Um, because of that though, because of the time difference, the Japanese fighters were on first. So they started in the afternoon, I think around 1 or 2 p.m., if I can remember correctly. And... Obviously, that's to do with the time bro- uh, the time difference of the broadcast because Abama are only going to be broadcasting those fights, which is fantastic. You know, that's really good. You know, that they want to, you know, we get these excellent world-class fighters and Tiger over in uh, France, which is fantastic, which, you know, allowed the mate I'm talking about to be able to fly over and see the fight, just like an hour, hour flight from where he is, which is great. Um, and as I say, allowed... Other good mates were allowed to be at the, the fight as well, and not everyone can get over to Japan, where Takaru was exclusively fought, apart from um, the odd foray into Thailand as an early in his early career, which none of us would have known him. Um, so, the chance to see one of kickboxing's premier stars and one of the most exciting fighters worldwide, regardless of sport, right now, is fantastic. Less fantastic, of course, is the tickets showing the event starting at eighteen thirty. Hence, why when you watch that Takaru fight yesterday, it appears there was hardly anyone there so I believe the emails were sent out 
from the promotion to ticket holders. Not sure if they're in French, not sure if they're easily uh, easy to read or easy to understand. I'm not 100% sure on that. Not sure if they said attention in the uh, subject line or, or anything that would have made it seem anything less than innocuous. So that's a major problem. Let's be honest. 99% of people going to that event would have been going to see Takaru. Um, sure, there'll be local fighters that had their families there, so maybe 99% is an overstated number. But certainly the people flying over to France were going to see Takaru. So luckily my mate still got there in time. He did see the email. But who, what other people that didn't? I bet there were people that didn't. I bet there were people that turned up on the day. Also, as well, traffic's a fucking nightmare. And we're going to get to that in a second. Um... It's a fucking nightmare. If you're flying into France and you know eleven a.m., you might not got might not even get to the the event by two. It might be people as well who were you know ferrying in from say the UK and driving up. Well, that ain't a fucking ten minute drive. So if you think you got to eighteen thirty, you're going to plan you know accordingly. You might have got to the event, found some local fighters or amateur bouts taking place, and you'd feel rightly fucking aggrieved. It's just a complete shit show. Seems insane that a uh, about that was broadcast on fight pay per view and had so many eyes on it from the kickboxing world. You've got a chance here to really cement yourself as a major European promotion. You've got over three well known fighters and one of the most well known fighters who's about to become even more well known in one championship. One of the biggest combat sports stars in Japan, which is, you know, of course, uh, one of the largest media markets in the world. And you can't even get the opening time right, thus killing the atmosphere somewhat in the arena. So that's a real concern. Even more of a concern, I spoke about the, the rounds running over. The It's been reported this morning by Beyond Kickboxing that the bow was stuck in traffic. The bow was stuck in traffic, hence why the referee and the timekeeper are unable to communicate very well. Obviously, the rounds did not run over as much as possible, but Taiju got absolutely fucking sparked out that round was running on longer than expected or, or should, longer than it should have been. So that's a real concern as well. And it just seemed to be a very badly organised event. It's a real shame um, for the sport. It's good that you know we still got to see some fights and, and got to see some notable fighters. And it's actually it's, it's very good now with the benefit of hindsight knowing that Bailey Sugden was not just rescued from a, a brutal knockout. That, that actually was within the allotted time frame. That would have been really hard to stomach. But Taiju um, got out, so that's a, a shame. And overall, just a, a you know a real missed opportunity, really. Um, so, yeah, basically, the, the, the run time was really weird. Um, being reliably informed, it was amateurs first. Then the, uh, the, the K1 boys, which, you know, as I say, was the main draw for a lot of people. And then we went on to the local card. So, I know for a fact that, People were leaving after the Japanese portion of the card, which again doesn't look great. Surely it would have been better to stack it the other way uh, and have the card start in the morning. You have amateurs, you know, from 9am to, to, to 10, 30, 11, whatever. Then you have your local card from 11 till 1 or 2. And then you have your Japanese guys as the main event. I really don't understand it. French kickboxing and Muay Thai fans are a very educated bunch. And maybe it seemed weird to you guys to not know this, but... It's a, it's, a, it's a major sport over there in the way it isn't in the UK or isn't in the US. Um, kickboxing and Muay Thai is treated with a lot of respect and reverence and, and those fans aren't stupid. And uh, as I said before, of course, there'll be family members going just to see their lads or ladies. I'm not sure if it was a mixed card, but see their lads have a fight. 
And uh, yeah, you know, aside from that, generally the fans are really well educated. No surprise when you think of the likes of Shinsuke and Luca and, and Babo amongst the most uh, esteemed voices and knowledgeable guys in the kickboxing and, and Muay Thai online sphere. So yeah, um, a real mixed opportunity, uh, sorry, mixed bag, but a missed opportunity for the card. But overall, great to see Takaru back. Bailey Sugden uh, proved a a good foil for him in terms of his t- toughness and his effort early on, but he just got swallowed up, as most people do find Takaru. Just good to see him fight over a bit longer time. Now goes on to one championship with a win. It's, it feels like a, kind of like a warm-up fight. You know? Again, the Bailey Sugden is not completely unknown, you know. He's, he's a good fighter. So it feels like a warm-up fight. Takaru's now coming off a win, got his confidence back, reinstalled his, his mojo. He's going to go over to Singapore or Japan or wherever, maybe in the States, and... Uh, Hopefully he's going to fight Rod Tang pretty much straight away. That's the one we want to see, right? So, um, yeah, he's back. Going to talk about a big UFC belt uh, coming up next, which was the main event from this weekend's Fight Night card after these ads. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So Ilya Tapura versus Josh Emmett was an absolute fucking bloodbath uh, and a really good fight and tells us a whole lot about the division going forward. I think Josh Emmett really has settled into gatekeeper status now. He's had a couple of cracks at the elite and basically he's like super dangerous. Uh, but if you can circumnavigate him, you're basically ready. So it's just he's so limited really, um, even as a, a wrestler. And we saw some good examples of that in this fight, not his offensive wrestling, but just his ability to wrestle with guys and, and, and survive in those positions. Really, really good. He's not... You know, but he's still limited essentially uh, as a kind of uh, bursting power puncher. You know, 
if you can circumnavigate him, it's just like I've always said this: when you're bringing guys up, you kind of you put them against a, a defensive fighter. He's really great defensively, but hasn't got a big punch. And you put him against a, a massive puncher who's got a, a glass jaw, and you put him against a, a really good all-round offensive fighter who's a sort of moderate puncher, or you put him against. All these guys that have got certain limitations because eventually you have to fight someone that's got all these things all, all mailed into one. It's a great all-round fighter and you've got to be able to prove yourself capable of dealing with each different uh, facet of that style. You put it all together. And what the Emmett is really is that he's the uh, limited but dangerous and extremely tough power puncher. So he's only really going to do one thing um, generally, but he's extremely dangerous in that. What's really impressive about this fight from Ilya Tapura is he generally competed inside Josh Emmett's wheelhouse. And that's what I found impressive about this fight with Bryce Mitchell as well. Which is, oh, Bryce Mitchell, you're the scary submission artist. I'm going to tap you. Josh Emmett, you're a fucking really dangerous puncher. I'm going to stand with you in the pocket for much of the 25 minutes. And it's those adjustments which I found really impressive from Tapura late on in the fight to show that when the going did get too tough... He had someone else in the back pocket because speaking to uh, like-minded folks online, the biggest concern with Tapura is he always goes 100 miles an hour. What's he going to do when he needs to slow it down? And actually, we saw an indication of that in this fight. So generally, what Tapura was doing, really, really fantastic work. Great defence on the inside. Um, uses his shoulder a lot. He will transition from high guard to shoulder roll, step back out of range. Um, really good anticipation in the pocket. Great timing. Really precise power puncher the combinations aren't as varied as I like it's you know, a lot of sort of uh, uppercut left hook into the right hand or left hook counter uppercut or one twos you know nice stuff good body puncher sure not as much kicking as I like but the kicking was important we'll get to that in a second but he's so clean with it he's so clean precise accurate great timing and clearly got a lot of power as well what I liked about the leg kicks was when Emmett did burst forward, he was cutting him off with a low kick and that was sort of uh, freezing Emmett in place because Emmett does like to sort of shift in and out of combos and then spin around you. Tapura had the feet to pivot with him and catch him as he was trying to exit the pocket. So that was really good work. And as I say, the, 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 the leg kicks weren't so much about taking the power away because Emmett does punch off of both uh, foot. He will, as I say, he'll, he'll throw a big wide shot, Fitzsimmons shift style, and he looks old and bold like Bob Fitzsimmons too, throw a big wide overhand and then use that to uh, spring off and throw the backhand off the southpaw stance or vice versa. He's, he's shifting due to sort of just innate wildness, uh, big punching, uh, looping shots. It's great. Great fun to watch. Um, but, you know, Tapura was able to stay with him. What I was about later on when we start seeing the knockdowns as well is Tapura kind of straight, 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 draw the lead. So he's going straight, straight. I know Emmett's then going to pop off with a left hook and I'm going to beat him to it. So that, I think his fourth round knockdown was sort of throwaways, one, two, and then shorten up the left hook as Emmett was coming wide with his. So the old adage, you know, never left hook with a left hooker, that actually went uh, the wrong way for Emmett. He was, he's throwing big left hooks and a very good left hooker in his own right. And Taporis is getting there faster to the point, sharper, shorter, and that's what caused that knockdown. And what's great is to say in the pocket, Tapura was taking shots early. Strangely, he seemed to get really hurt in the fifth round earlier on, and that's we'll get to that adjustment in a second. But earlier on, he seemed very adept in the pocket, was shipping shots. That's good to see that he seems to be a great athlete, great grappler, 
great, as I say, striking-wise. Um, we'll not see more kicks, but great striking-wise. And also does appear to be really durable as well. Doesn't take his off the ball. Good uh, rate of slips and defensive manoeuvres inside. And that allows him to be an aggressive counter-puncher and hit you in exchanges with shots that you don't see coming. And that's only going to uh, allow him to leverage his power even more. As I say, it does appear to have natural dig, but it's all about timing, precision, catching you mid-combo. And that's where you accentuate your gift. So... Really impressive in that regard as well. And in that fifth round, Emmett just went, do you know what, fuck it. And I've never been totally sold to Josh Emmett. He's been bad luck with injuries and whatnot, but he always seems to bounce back. I just don't think he's... He kind of reminds a bit of Dan Anderson in the sense that he's got a wrestling pedigree. He doesn't really leverage it all that much. But he's so powerful. Um, doesn't really have the application to, to land that power as much as I think he should. And I think that makes him why he's a flawed power puncher. I say I like some of the things he does. I like the switching I like the and he's not like oh I'm going to southpaw now he's shifting he's shifting shifting is better than switching he's shifting he's uh, not very shifty but he's shifting um, he's tough he's tenacious he fucking goes for it and he just seems to be made of fucking wood like yeah, he's a tough guy it's hard and uh, yeah he, he wears it but he fucking goes for it as well and in that fifth round he went for it he just fucking charged it to pour it he's just taking an absolute immense beating by the way, I loved that there was a 10-7 scored in this round because he was he was on the verge of being stopped more than once in this fight. Um, but coming off an immense fucking beating in the fourth round, he's hurt, dropped, bloodied, taken down, pulverised on the mat, gets back up from that ground pound, and he's all staggered and that. 10-7's about right. Fucking give it to me. But he just charged out to Poor and he just started fucking throwing overhand shots at only glance and to Poor did look shook up. That's where the adjustment comes in. And actually, the adjustment had come before because in the first sort of three rounds, Tapori was just going hell for leather, as I say, exchanging in the pocket, being reliant on his ability to slip shots and land first um, and just get the better of the exchanges. Very fucking macho stuff. In the fourth round, slowed it down. And that's what I love to see about it. It was just sprouted leg kicks. It was lancing with the jab, timing, 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 and then shortening it up, letting his hands go once he got drew the lead from Emmett that he wanted. I really like that. It showed a different facet to his game, showed that he can slow it down, showed there's more nuance, showed that if the you know the going gets too tough, then oh I'll, I'll make an adjustment here. Actually it's not about the going gets too tough. He just gave Emmett a different look. Me pulverising ain't working. Uh, let's try and draw it out a different way and uh, you know try and lure him in and walk him onto a shot. Love that. In the fifth round is a bit different. Emmett's running him down. This guy ain't going nowhere. Right, reactive double, let's ground him, let's run down the time, let's run down the clock, adjust again, get him back, gets back, get him down again, and just, just run out of time. Really, really nice work. Um and scorecards are you know unimportant, but you know, I thought Tapore was he wasn't punch perfect because he was shipping shots. That shows the durability and it shows the ability, the innate ability to be that good in the pocket, but he was still shipping shots. There was a couple of hairy moments to say that early on in the fifth round it did seem a little bit Tired, a little bit perturbed by what was coming back at him. But being able to make the adjustment and survive a power punch who's still coming on strong in the fifth round, that's not like pussy moves, that's fucking smart. It reminds me of uh, Hendricks in the fifth round against Robbie Lawler. This guy ain't going nowhere, I'll use what I'm good at, I'm just going to fucking ground him. We did get some lovely uh, rolling in that fifth round as well. As I say, Emmett just, nah, fuck it, you ain't grounding me that easy, mate. <laughs> rolling, uh, and uh, yeah... Really, really nice work that a fight that was so fucking violent can provide one of its uh, most glorious moments in the fifth round with without a strike being thrown. So, 
Yes, I think Emmett is very much a gatekeeper now, but underestimating your peril. They're going to be guys that go, yeah, fuck it, I'm ready for that step up. I can circumnavigate this guy. And they get their fucking head punch in the Rosette. Um, Tapora is not like that. And going forward, I think it's pretty clear that he is the coming man. He is the next challenger, and here's why. Yaya Rodriguez is going to fight Volkanovski. Could go either way. I'm going to go Volkanovski, of course. He's going to get Yaya down at one point and fucking punch his head in. Um, will Volkanovski fight? for a lightweight title again I'm not so sure I think that would be reliant on Charles Oliveira winning the rematch against Islam Makachev um, although I'm sure Volk would love another stab at it but I think Volkanovski will probably defend this title against Ilya Tapuria I think with Tapuria you, you you don't need to give him Max Holloway this idea that he needs to fight Max Holloway Max is so good still and continues to confound expectations of what a fighter with his style should be like at his age that he knocks off good contenders he knocks off really solid contenders 145 Asm and Max chews him up. So let's see a different matchup. He's not going to get a title shot, is what I mean. He's going to basically put Volkanovski in limbo, put the division in limbo, because if he knocks Tapura off, and he's probably the guy with the best chance of doing so outside of Volkanovski, we've lost another good contender. And this is one guy who, I mean, I liked you know, Calvin Kata and, and Josh Emmett and a couple of other guys, but never really felt like genuine challenges for Volkanovski. This is a guy who feels like a genuine challenge for Volkanovski. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, in a division where Yoel Rodriguez is getting a title shot, much improved as he is, um, let's get someone fresh, let's get someone new, let's get someone intriguing. Um, and I think Ilya Tapura is the guy. So it actually benefits Max Holloway to not fight Ilya Tapura now because he ain't going to get a title shot against Volkanovski. They fought that many times and he hasn't won a fight. And a matter of fact, his performance in the last one, uh, not his performance, but Volkanovski's performance in the last one, basically shows that he's never been further away from beating him. That's my opinion, anyway. So, you let Ilya Depore get a shot, maybe he wins, and then suddenly, Max, you're the most intriguing contender going forward because they can put you in a title fight again. So, I think um, it would benefit Max Holloway to not fight Tapore now. His best chance to get a title shot is for someone else to win the belt. And I think Tapore, even though... I was speaking about this to a couple of guys online last night. Volkanovski has a great ability to circumnavigate the pocket. He's um, very good at sort of springing in and out of distance, catching, you know, getting back out. He's very good at slowing you down, strong cage grappler, uh, really strong in top position, etc., etc. But we know he can get caught. He can get caught by lesser strikers. Not lesser strikers. Max Holloway's not a lesser striker. Lesser bangers. Um, and certainly lesser strikers, like Isan Makachev, um, can catch Volker. I don't think he, he's extremely tough. Great bounce back ability. That's never in denial. But his chin isn't the greatest. When I say the greatest, it's all about, like, you know, He's sort of on level of GSP, in my opinion. Can be hurt, but is smart, has the nails and the ability to bounce back. That's the kind of level he is at. He's not a Max Holloway chin. Max Holloway could fight Ilya Tapura, and you would say, oh, he's probably the only person who will be able to ship those shots and not get sparked out. Um, and Emmett didn't either, but you know, obviously he was hurt multiple times, really badly bloodied up. Max Holloway is just he's built different, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't really get this notion. Oh, it's Volkanossi. He's going to... He'll do his thing and uh, he'll, he'll figure out a way to beat Tapura. He might well do, but to not act like Tapura is the most intriguing matchup out there for him, I think is uh, I think it's foolish, quite frankly. I think that Tapura is very clearly the most intriguing matchup out there now for Volkanovski at £145. Let's let the, there's a huge lightweight logjam. Don't many times we've got to talk about it because it's just a consistent problem. Let those guys fight. Let's see Makachev fight the. Uh, array of interesting £155 contenders 
let's see Volkanovski at his best weight at 145, fighting the best at 145 as to offer. And we finally got a really intriguing contender who's on a good run. I think Yair Rodriguez is a good contender too, don't get me wrong. And a max rematch, you know, if Yair could you know, punt Volkanovski enough to force a stoppage or you know, to win, the, win a tight scorecard or something like that, that probably favours Max too because uh, Max would be in line to fight Rodriguez again. That first fight was interesting. I'm glad to see it again. So that would favour him too. But either way, we need to see this division move on. We had too many Volk Holloway fights, great as they were. Um, too many in the sense of it holding up the division. We also had a, a, a Korean zombie title fight in there that was unnecessary. So, yeah, Tapuria versus Volkanovski. Rodriguez winner. Volkanovski. Um, let's see it. I think it'd be quite hipstery to push back against Tapuria as a prospect. He's basically passed every test now. And in this fight, showed even more to his game. Uh, showed some wrinkles, answered some questions that we need an answer in. He appears to very much be the coming man. He's got the goods, and uh, I'm all for it. A couple of fights in another card I really want to talk about. Joshua Van versus uh, Zalgos Gulov. Never, not going to struggle with that. Um, another split decision for Zuma Gulov, but at the end of the day, like this one was actually fair. He's had some tough decisions. He's uh, come back, got a stupid haircut, and uh, you know he's got another shot. But in this one, I do think Joshua Van was a was a fair winner. Um, the reason I want to talk about it is Joshua Van has people online that I respect. Can't remember you right now, but someone I know that I really like went, "Yes, this kid's getting a shot." Really like him. I hadn't checked him out before. Um, took the fight on a week's notice. He's 21 years old. Uh, fight out of Houston. He's eight and one. Uh, he's been fighting on that Fury fight card, uh, which previous guest of the podcast. Trayvon Kentrail Coker's fought on, so um, yeah, they, they are putting on good shows down there. As I say, if people I know, people that I like are saying this kid's one to watch out for, well, I checked it out. I was going to anyway, I watched the old card, but still. Against a, a veteran like Zuma Gulov, who's just fucking awkward caveman, hard to, hard to gauge, always throwing weird shit, I thought Van was really, really good, really precise, really sharp, stayed with it. Apparently hasn't been grappling for all that long. Um, one lost by RNC. That's you know normal, but if you ha- apparently has not been grappling really long, it doesn't show. Um, loved his ability to transition on on the cage from the f- defense to reset, get a whizzer, pummel for underhook to better knee and force a break. That was really good uh, against a far more experienced uh, wrestler. And what I really liked was his awareness in the pocket. And it's constant pressure. When he's pressuring, if he can't get you with a jab, he's teep. He's, he's teeping you. He's following it up. He's hitting you for barrage of shots. I really like the striking diversity. I really like the ability to kick off of punches. I really liked his defensive awareness as the fight went on. He started seeing the spinning back fist coming more and more regularly, dipping out, catching them, firing back. His ability to create uh, counter opportunities by staying poised, staying with it in the moment. Really, really like that. So... I thought it was a really close competitive fight throughout. That's great, but he clearly had the bigger moments in round two. was uh, a clear round for him. That head kick followed by that blitzing combination, I thought, was just really breathtaking stuff. And in the third round, I thought it was running away from here because first round was tight and most people had it to Zumagulov. And in, in the third round, I thought, oh, it's running away from here. But he stayed with it and punctuated late with a couple of really big shots. So really impressive from a 21-year-old. Um, who's clearly still learning the game of MMA to be beating a, a veteran, what is he, Zuma got 34, 35, something like that. Um, one thing I want to say about this fight, Dominic Cruz, really good on comms. 
Every observation he made and every way he sort of shut DC down from his attempt at podcasting, um, I thought he was really good. He kind of seemed to cater it for the ABC audience because on ABC, so like um, for British listeners, it's like equivalent of being on ITV or something, I suppose, a, a major national channel that anyone with a TV gets. Um, and he seemed to cater his commentary for that, you know, explaining like, oh, I'm talking about a wizard. This is what a wizard is. And this is why cage grappling's different to you know you guys who if you've seen olympic wrestling or it just it's really good work and i liked how he explained the dynamics taking uh holding the fight and why it was so impressive for van to be doing what he's doing at his age and i just thought he was really good on comms in this fight and uh yeah it wasn't like catering to the casual audience by being condescending it was just really good work amanda heba should really try and stay uh, uh straw weight she's got Wrecked by Macy Barber, one of the few uh, somewhat interesting uh, flight women's flight performances I'll talk about. Barber actually looks like a decent contender going forward. She does pack some power, but yeah, Hebas looked overwhelmed in there by the physicality. Um, one fight I want to talk about is weird because I spoke about on the Patreon pod last week about how Marvin Vittori um, is not that exciting just because he's a mess and it's at sort of the top of his division and that's not good. Um, I like awkward fighters, but generally when they pack a pop. But a fighter who makes you know, Marvin Vittori look like Floyd Mayweather Jr. in Trevor Peak can bang. And he is one of the most gloriously bad fighters I've seen in the modern UFC era. However, I mean, let's uh, just scale back. So unorthodox, so wild, so open. Um, but he is fucking nails. And he carries some dig. Um... And that makes him so compelling to watch. You you watch this guy fight and see some of the shit he's doing. Uh, like throwing punches from 10 feet away. Um, throwing standing hammer fists from mile off. Um, launching shots from seemingly behind his back. Um, this guy is all over the shop. And he lost, you know, clearly. He lost this fight. Absolutely clearly. And uh, Jose Marascal was really good and staying on him. And, and you know, not basically feeding into his bullshit but Pete makes something out of nothing because he just fucking goes for it it's wild to think he's a lightweight because he fights like a light heavyweight like he's that bad but I fucking love the guy I think he's so much fun and um, they should keep putting him in really fun fights I'll tell you what I would absolutely love to watch Trevor Pete versus Paddy Pimblett honestly I would honestly fucking love it you think it's something oh, Pimblett will get him down and choke him out yeah whatever while it lasts, that first 30 seconds would be so much fun. So much fucking fun. Um, just check it out. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Overall, the card was not good, but there was a couple really good fights on it. This was one of them. Um, obviously, the fight I just mentioned as well uh, with Josh Van, but and the main event I thought was fantastic. Even though it was mainly one-sided, Emma had so many moments in the fight um, that it was, it was well, well worth a watch. Um, and there's, you know, maybe if I watched it knowing the result, it wouldn't be quite as compelling. But when you're watching it and then that fifth round, Emmett's going for you, you think, fuck me, fuck me, fuck me, this is happening here. Um, and he had moments in the exchanges. But this fight was just ludicrous. Absolutely fucking ludicrous. Um, yeah, even in defeat, Trevor Peak comes out the winner for me. Just, I'll watch every fight that he's in. I mean, absolutely ludicrous. The fact that he's in the UFC's lightweight division is mad. Um, I'm not sure he'd be a contender anywhere, but he's fun and that's fine. He's unorthodox. He's 
wild. He doesn't know when to quit. He will eat a flush head kick and then come back with a... I don't know what he's come back with, but he's come back with something. So check that one out for sure. There's some good uh, highlights on the card. The main event, if you watch one fight, just watch the main event because it's so meaningful, so compelling and may have heralded the uh, you know, a new rising star in the sport. So check that one out for sure. Check out the uh, Muay Thai GP fights if you get a chance to, especially Takaru's triumphant return. Might have something else on that later on in the week uh, over on the Patreon. Just trying to sort something out now. As always, if you do like this podcast, please do consider signing up to Patreon. Uh, helps me to create the content. You might just think I'm just begging for money. I'm not. I'm a fairly pretty decent job, but you know, when the cost of living is as it is, if you need me to pay, want me to pay for research materials and want me to pay uh, for stuff that makes this um, podcast uh, better, which I really do think it does. I think that's the best part of the podcast: the, the research, the primary source research, the amount of uh, sort of historical knowledge that goes into making uh, these assessments of current fights then you know it does help if you sign up to the patron and you are rewarded by getting the exclusive content you know this podcast this format is often over on that feed and there's other unique episodes where we've got a new audio documentary coming up in the next few weeks another installment of the series called combat chronicled and the guide to pride is an ongoing concern but got a big interview coming up for that one that's going to make it just so much more uh, interesting than it was and i thought you know the, the historic uh, accuracy of the episode was going to be the main draw but something came up that warranted further investigation and i think you know pride the guide to pride one being so constantly delayed is worth it when something like this comes up i mean you got to think you know i've written a book about the first episode uh the first sorry the first event of pride you know i think oh god we've gone on about it for ages yeah because i thought it was going to be like a you know 25 minute exploration i thought it'd be i'd talk about the fights bit of background it's too important to not do it justice. And when an opportunity like this comes up, you have to go for it and it necessitates a further delay. But we're closer than ever to the finish line. So head on over to www.patreon.com slash combat chronicles. We'll be back on this feed, I imagine, in a couple of weeks. Loads of good fights coming up. And until then, thanks very much for listening and your continued support. And if you're new, hope you enjoyed this one. Hope to see you stick around. Peace out. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.